Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to this week's edition of the 360 Recruiting Podcast, presented by Sooners360.com. I'm Matt with Sooners360, and I'm joined by Chris Mason, our lead recruiting analyst over at 360, and Caleb Cummings, also known on the boards as Sooner55. Uh, just a quick reminder, follow the show on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss an episode, and subscribe to Sooners360.com to catch the latest breaking news on the team, recruiting, and much more. We'll go ahead and jump right in, uh, do a little final recap of early signing day. The period is closing today. Um, let's get the bad news out of the way first. Um, Tassilia Kana just committed to Texas yesterday. Chris, what uh, what happened there? Well, I think it's simply a case of when you get right, when you get to what I call sort of like, you know, sort of nut-crunching time to use a, to use a crude term, you know, signing day arrives. And I think I think sometimes values that are undervalued earlier in the process, like become much bigger factors when you get down to making that final decision. And I think Texas was able to exploit the fact that his sister plays volleyball and the family's in Hawaii. Obviously, they want to come see as many games as they can. So having the two kids at one school, I think all of a sudden when you're making that final decision becomes a much bigger factor. They also had some some friends and and their friends from Hawaii who were also in the Austin area, and I think OU kind of left a little bit of an opening. I think the staff was maybe a little focused elsewhere, trying to close some other kids. Thought they had a kind of in the bag, and left a little bit of opening for Texas to come in. But I'm I'm not sure that the family wouldn't have, when they're reviewing everything, wouldn't have come around to Texas anyway. So uh, it's a tough blow. It's a tough loss. I loved a kind of on film. But I think kind of what we saw here was Texas was involved all the way through. This wasn't like Texas just sprung up out of nowhere. If you've been following the podcast, you know I've been talking about Akana. Everyone not sure where he was going. And Texas, LSU, and OU have really been the consistent teams for like the last nine months. They've been the names really heavily involved. They got official visits. So it's it's a blow, but I think it's just kind of, it's one of those losses that occurs in recruiting I think OU needs to just absorb what happened, try and focus on trying to, you know, reduce those gaps and, and just kind of move on. You, you you take blows like this in recruiting. It just happens. And another player that uh, we should just move on from, uh, DJ Hicks, uh, five-star out of uh, Katy, Texas, uh, finally ended it today, signed with A&M. Uh, this one really came down to the wire. Uh, we've reported that he was a silent commit to OU at one point. Uh, he's continued to talk to the staff uh, all the way through this morning. Um, just a not not a huge hit um, depth or depth wise. It's a big hit. Perception wise, it's a bigger hit. Um, Chris, what what happened here? Well, OU lost his verbal commitment in September after. Basically, he visited on the palace at the at the prairie at the end of July, and everybody in the recruiting world said he's going to OU. 
And that was pretty much established. Everyone thought he was signing with OU. And then AM through whatever methods you want to you want to call it, grabbed his verbal and took a lead uh, at the end of in the September 21st timeframe when he verbaled. OU hacked away at it the best they could. It just it, they just weren't able to just they weren't basically they were able to they basically took the ball to the five yard line. They were in the red zone several times, were just never able to push the ball over the over the goal line to score the touchdown. Uh, I think they focused on trying to make a big run um, a couple of times. I think they had grab momentum again with the Bedlam visit, then lost some momentum. I think after after the, the news we're going to talk about next, after the positive news that occurred on Thursday. Uh, I think OU made another run, just trying to see if they could just, you know, push, just push it just a little further. And they just they just weren't able to do that. I think the move from Allen to Katie hurt a lot of OU momentum uh, as well. Um, the Katie district has never really been that kind to OU, generally speaking. And if he was at Allen, uh, OU would have had, I think, much easier access to get him up for games uh, and and have just more be able to be able to build more of that personal relationship, which I think would have countered some of the other stuff that AM did. But the big thing here is unlike some of the Lincoln Riley classes where OU would lose guys late and there was no plan at all. OU got Marcus Strong on Wednesday. He's a good defensive tackle. He's got a lot of upside to him. So they they added they added depth on the D line, developmental depth on the D line. So they didn't come out of this situation with neither player. And then that would have been really, that would have been really poor. We're seeing a better job of roster management and, and recruiting management from risk staff than, than the previous staff. And part of that management uh, is what you just alluded to not too long ago. Oh, you got some good news yesterday and perhaps one of the, more wild rides you'll you'll ever see on recruiting day, uh, commitment day. Peyton Bowen, safety, Denton Geyer, uh, was committed to Notre Dame for almost a year. Uh, it's it started coming down to the wire. We we've been hearing for months that the Sooners could flip him at any time. Uh, there was three or four instances where insiders thought, okay, maybe this is the time it happens. Never happened. We get closer to signing day. Uh, Oregon's name starts popping up again. He had only been there once. Um, you know, his mom is reported to love Notre Dame and really pushing that. Uh, who knows really what happened on the inside there. But on Wednesday, he committed publicly to Oregon, flipping from Notre Dame, but never signed his letter. Started to hear some things Thursday or Wednesday evening into Thursday morning that said, okay, he's holding off for a specific reason, ends up signing with OU. It's a huge get. Um, Caleb, what do you think about Peyton Bowen? No, so I think, you know, uh, by and large, I think the ranking in some ways sums up what what you see. You see a five-star borderline, five-star defensive back safety for today's game, which I think in some ways it's maybe even a little bit more difficult to truly be a five-star impact safety with uh, the amount of stress that defensive or offenses rather put on that position. Uh, it's become unbelievably difficult uh, 
to, you know, really be a consistent impact guy in that role, the way they're going to stress you with the run game and then in the passing game uh, and just, you know, in every which way, both uh, laterally and, and vertically. But, you know, what you see there, he reminds me a lot of, in some ways of, uh, and I would put him a, a notch above like a Billy Bowman because he is, uh, I think he's a, a little bit, a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. He's not quite as thick, you know, uh, in terms of like, you know, Billy's a very muscular kid, uh, but Peyton, extremely fluid and explosive. You see that in his film. Uh, and that's what I say kind of reminds me of Bowman in that regard. Both high IQ uh, football players, playmakers. Uh, everybody remembers that that play that, that, that Bowman made. Uh, in Bedlam or Oklahoma effectively blew a coverage uh, and Oklahoma state had a receiver up the sideline, you know, Bowman IDs that, you know, it's got that half the field breaks on the ball and, and, and intercepts Spencer Sanders. You see those types of things uh, from Peyton Bowen as well. Just a guy with an extremely high IQ uh, when it comes to playing the game and, and, a, and a playmaker. And it was one of their, I think it was early playoff games as Highland Park or someone was driving to pull the game within seven, uh, you know, they're in the second half. And as they're going in, uh, you know, they've got Peyton Bowen out there one-on-one against their best receiver. They feel good about bringing their safety and, and putting them down with their best receiver. He intercepts the ball in the end zone, takes it back 100 yards uh, to really just seal that game up. And that's the kind of guy you're getting there, a guy that I think, you know, again, kind of goes back by saying like we saw with Bowman, with Oklahoma, when he was healthy, when he was on the field, it was a very different defense because – you know, he was not he was always in the right spot where he was supposed to be covering, you know, doing those types of things and then can be an impact player, you know, to to kind of roam free from there. And you're getting that same type of guy. I'll be interested to see. I think, uh, Chris, I'm not sure if you know, is 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 he an early enrollee? Yeah, Peyton Bowen's one of the 14 guys that are going to enroll early from this high school group. He's already in the OU directory. So on some level, he's already been accepted to OU, and OU has a huge jump on processing his uh, his information through the the NCA clearinghouse. That's huge, yeah. Because in one of the areas, I think he'll need a little bit, I don't know if time, but uh, you know, you just want to see him continue to develop physically to make sure that again, playing safety is a really physically demanding job. Uh, with the way the game is more spread out, you know, we may not think you're not maybe coming down in the alley and filling it on a 230 pound running back as consistently as 20, uh, 25 years ago, but you are, you know, making tackles in space against big athletic guys over and over. So to see him kind of continue to fill out physically, uh, that'll be great. I think he's going to be the guy that he'll be able to come in. He can be an instant impact guy whether that's him just pushing for starting time or uh, or maybe even earning a starting spot. And I think what we saw with Oklahoma getting uh, the Pearson, the safety uh, transfer from Texas Tech, I think that's just uh, maybe a chess move there because it allows you to, to have a, another veteran guy that that uh, Peyton Bowen can learn from uh, and you're not asking him to – to come down on, on running backs, you know, 60 times a game or, you know, make tackles six and 60 plays a game. You, you, you know, or you've got a, a veteran guy that he can learn from and really uh, do what Brent Venables does best, which is put his talent in, in places where they can excel and do what they're best at, you know, and not put them in, in areas where there's, there's risk and they're exposed. You mentioned the physicality at the position. Do you think, uh, we would use 
Bowen in the return game. His his highlights in high school returning punts have been, you know, otherworldly. Do you, do you see him having some run out there? I yes, I do. Uh, you know, selfishly, I, I I've. I've I want to say I wish they wouldn't. Uh, I'm always torn on that uh, with with guys. It always kind of depends on depth, and I think you kind of saw that with Billy Bowman. You know, Bowman was in high school one of the best return men, whether it was punt return or kick return uh, players. I mean, in the state of Texas over the last 20 or 30 years, every time he touched the ball at Denton Ryan uh, in, a, in a return, it was you know look out, he might be taking this back. You know, his highlight film was first two minutes, I think, or punt kick returns for touchdowns. Uh, and to your point, you know, Peyton Bowen has got that type of, you know, that short area explosiveness when he catches the ball, you know, he's, he can go, he, he can get up to full speed really fast. I think it was the, uh, uh, you know, one of the, the large recruiting events they have in the summer, he won the fastest man competition. I think everybody was surprised because there were some legit track kids there that run, you know, have run sub 10, five, but they get out in the 40 yard dash Peyton Bowen beats everybody. Uh, because he's, you know, not one is competitor, but two, he's got really good explosiveness. So I think he can. I think it'll be interesting to see that, you know, early on with that depth from a guy like Pearson and you've got uh, Robert Spears Jennings, you, you know, you probably can say, hey, we're not as concerned, you know, about the risk of, you know, you know, you get the thigh bruise or something like what happened to Billy or whatever that injury was, and you can throw him out there and continue to, you know, get him reps and build confidence, let him impact the game on special teams. And Chris, we you've been around recruiting for a long time. Uh, as OU fans, you know, we historically know about the quarterback position and what type of impact that can have on a program. So Jackson Arnold is obviously somebody that um, we can rely on to, to lead us. But what kind of impact on the program does getting a guy like Peyton Bowen have? Well, I think – you could make a strong argument that Jackson Arnold is the best player in Texas and his main competition for that title is, is his high school teammate, Peyton Bowen. I think they both had better high school seasons than, than Anthony Hill and, and DJ Hicks, the only other five stars from Texas that are really in that, in that discussion. So I think you're getting arguably, you know, the number two safety in the country. The only player close to him is Caleb Downs from Georgia who signed with Alabama. And I think you could argue that Bowen may be better than Downs. It's it's like a it's it's like a Dante Moore, Jackson Arnold kind of discussion in terms of in terms of who's better uh one, two. So he's I mean you plug him into the OU secondary, he's he stops the run, he covers the entire field, he erases mistakes, he makes and he also just has that that in that intangible quality of knowing when to make a big play that Caleb was talking about, uh, you know, taking on, taking an interception back 80 yards for a touchdown. And he had like four or five of those called back too on penalties. So it's like, and his punt return numbers were also would have been much higher. They had, he had like another four or five returns called back from, uh, for, for penalties as well. So, uh, I think, you know, you're, you're getting the two best players in Texas high school football this year, one on offense, one on defense. And with today's passing games, having that kind of Ed Reed, who might be kind of a, you know, if you want to make a, a high sky end comp, you know, I think Ed Reed is kind of, it might be the guy I might be the guy I 
would compare him to? I would take an Ed Reed any second. Hall <laughs> of Famer safety to, and Super Bowl winner. Safety to yeah. ever play. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the best safeties. I mean, he's not Roy Williams. He's not that big physical guy. He's not as, as big as Roy was, that kind of intimidator. But when you think about just he's always making a big play for his defense. And if I and you know, that's what and that's what I always in my mind, the guy that leaps out to me that always sort of did that was was Ed Reed when he was at Miami and with the Ravens. Yeah. What about a guy like Earl Thomas? Not not the biggest frame guy, kind of similar yeah, to Peyton. Yeah, it's similar, but I think Peyton's got a bigger frame and he's just got I, I think he has more speed and more more coverage ability. Uh, at least right coming out of high school comparing them. So I mean Earl Thomas was that was that was a good pickup for Texas, but that Earl really exceeded what people thought he was going to do. And obviously in the NFL, he had a great career. So uh, I I think you know, and and Earl was, you know, you know, Bo, Bowman and Ed and Earl Thomas are sort of more the kind of the comps there, same same frame, uh, sort of same frame guys. Uh, I think I think Bowen's a little a little more of the longer assassin. All right. Well, before we get to the rest of the 2023 class, there was a couple 2024 updates uh, in the last few days, including an announcement from David Stone today. Chris, what's the latest on him? So a lot of people, a lot of rumors about what this announcement was going to be, and it ended up being what I thought it was going to be, which was uh, he released the top 10. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire list of the 10 teams. OU's in there. OU's always going to be in this battle, and someone's going to have to really come up with a huge recruiting game plan to beat OU. But the nice thing I like is he's already down to a top 10, and I know that seems a little silly, but I think we'll see David probably reduce his list down to five, maybe in the spring, late spring timeframe. I can see him taking his official visits during the summer. And I think you could, we could see a decision before he starts his senior year, wherever he's playing that. Now, I, I don't know that for a fact, but by mentioning a top 10 right now, that kind of gives him that nice sort of framework to kind of whittle the teams down. He's not in the middle of July saying he still has 12 teams he's looking at. So um, we think he's staying at IMG. He could be coming back to Oklahoma. Um, that rumor continues to fly around. I don't think we're going to have any clarity on that until the spring or maybe even uh, after he finishes his junior, his academic junior year uh, at IMG. So not a huge announcement today. Uh, I know OU fans would have wished for an early 24 Christmas present from David Stone, but he's still got some things to figure out. But I, I love where OU is in this recruiting. And whether or not he he comes back to Oklahoma and plays his senior year, he's a guy from the area. Caleb, what is what is having a guy like that from this region mean for Oklahoma? I honestly, I think it could not be bigger. I really think that's the storyline, at least for me, and it's massively early for 2024. But that is the storyline as we go into 2024. It is the region's defensive line and probably more on the edge, but it's, it's the recruits that it's producing. I know there's been a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, I want to say a lot, a decent amount of some negative talk around, Hey, you know, we expected Todd Bates to come in and pull all these five-star defensive tackles. 
He's one of the top coaches in the country, has all the skins on the wall. What's going on? Uh, for me, I think that is absolutely ludicrous talk, right? Because I think the biggest driver of that is the lack of production of defensive tackles in the region. You know, Texas high school football has massively changed over the last 25 years, and it simply does not produce good defensive linemen like it once did. Uh, whether that's on Texas high school football coaches de-emphasizing it, I, I don't know what it is. But I think our good friend Kyle ran some numbers. I think the state of Alabama this year produced more five-star and 5.9 or higher four-star defensive tackles than the state of Texas has in the last three or four years combined. And you're talking about a state that's got a population of maybe 4 million versus a state that's got a population of around 30 million. Uh, it doesn't make much sense, but, you know, it's the reality of it. What that's just a negative against Oklahoma when you come to recruiting is if you want top defensive linemen in the country, you've suddenly got to go outside of 250 miles. You've got to go into the backyard of LSU, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Clemson, right? You've got to go into their backyard and steal top players that are within a few hours from their campus. That's asking a lot. You know, and so you look at the region, you've got Nigel Smith out of Melissa. So, you know, DFW area, Danny Okoye, uh, who I think's got, he's got, uh, he's got some PJ out of Bore, you know, potential in just his frame, how he moves, how explosive he is. He's really raw, just like PJ, but he's that type of, uh, type of athlete, Tulsa area kid, uh, Williams, uh, Nonary, he's, is a five-star defensive end out of Lee's summit, uh, Missouri, and a lot of, you know, listeners here, right? You obviously know, uh, remember the name Jamar Mosey. He's the head coach there. His son is a 2025 kid on that Lee Summit team, uh, Lee Summit North that's considered. He's got an Oklahoma offer. Most people think that's where he's heading. Uh, I think Brent obviously probably got a pretty good relationship and a number of those people on that staff with, with Jamar. So Oklahoma's got a really good shot there, five-star defensive end. Colin Simmons, uh, I think everyone's watched the state championship game. I think he was probably trending on social media, you know, just people noticing how good he is. Another five-star defensive lineman, defensive end out of Duncanville. You know, then you've got David Stone, uh, five-star defensive tackle. And the last time the state of Oklahoma, which he's out of Dell City, but he plays at IMG right now. The last time the state of Oklahoma produced one of those was uh, GK, was Gerald McCoy. So it's been, I think he was 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was 2006, 2005, somewhere in there. It, it's been a long time, right? So to have the ability to go within a 250, 275-mile radius of Norman and land what could potentially be two to three five-star defensive linemen. It's got the potential, you know, if they maybe find another one somewhere else, right? You've got the potential for signing what could be the best defensive line class uh, from a recruiting rankings perspective that Oklahoma signed in the recruiting era. That would be massive for this program. Um, you mentioned uh, Mosey, another connection to uh, OU football alum, Michael Hawkins down in Allen is the quarterback. Uh, he's got an offer for 2024. He just released some info. Chris, what's the latest on Hawkins? So Michael Hawkins, um, son of former OU cornerback um, Michael Hawkins, uh, who was um, signed in 2001 and, and had some off-the-field problems, came from a really tough situation. But if he had stuck with it at OU, 
I think he would have been like an all-American cornerback. He had that level of skill. He even he transferred to another school. He he had a cup of coffee in the NFL, but I think if he had stuck at OU, he would have been just sensational. So his he has two sons playing at Allen. Uh, Michael is the quarterback who's uh, in the 24 class. He's ranked in the top 200 to top 250. He has an OU offer, and he is going to announce his commitment on New Year's Eve. So at one point, it looked like OU had a really big lead for Michael. Um, that could still be the case. We're endeavoring to find out and get some more information on this and dig into this story now that he's actually set a date. I think if he doesn't choose OU, Arkansas is making a huge move for him or has been really, really uh, heavily involved in his recruiting. It's hard to kind of know what's going on with the Arkansas program. They've had a very, very tumultuous offseason for, for a coach as established as Pittman is and with as much positive buzz as Pittman had the, the, the previous season. Arkansas has had a weird, had a very weird kind of offseason, a little it's kind of strange to figure out what's going on there. So it's probably – the question is, does OU um, – is OU ready to put – to go all in with Michael Hawkins as their quarterback for 24? Um, uh, there's a quarterback in the DM, the, the D.C. Maryland area, um, Van Buren, who's very, very good. He's a little under six foot, uh, but he's still in like the top 100 of the country. His film is great. He came out to the OU camp, played fantastic, did a fantastic job, got an OU offer. So I would say we're going to find out a lot about OU's quarterback recruiting with what with what Hawkins decides. There might be some advantages to Hawkins just uh, distance-wise. Uh, there's a couple other big prospects at Allen, um, but – Caleb, I don't, I don't know what you think, but I think Van Buren definitely has a much higher upside as a pure passer. Hawkins is obviously very quick, um, but I'm not so sure on his natural quarterbacking ability. Caleb, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's in some ways uh, it's probably storyline two to the 24 class, what Oklahoma does at quarterback. Uh, and I, I really tend to agree with you there. I, you know, you watch uh, Hawkins, his, uh, his junior film. And you, pr I do, don't think you see as natural of a feel for the passing game and for that part of playing quarterback, which, you know, is obviously, you know, 80% in today's game. It's a lot of run game, right? But it's, you've got to have, uh, you know, you've got to be a competent passer and have a really good feel for that. And I don't know that you see that, you know, when you watch, you see that jump maybe that you expected, you know, when you saw him as a sophomore, and, and, you know, where Oklahoma is going to be at from a quarterback perspective, you know, Dylan Gabriel will be gone. Uh, you can probably expect, uh, you know, some of the younger, I don't know if Booty, you don't know if he loses out to Jackson Arnold. It's likely that Booty will leave. Uh, he was a junior college kid, so he's still got that transfer uh, available or he's got that one-time waiver. He can leave at any time and be eligible immediately. And, uh, you know, so Oklahoma's got to, do a really good job in, in 24 in that class of, of getting a quarterback that can come in and, and be a competent guy, you know, in, in all areas and somewhat fairly quickly because that guy will be relied upon from a depth perspective. And I would definitely lean towards, towards Van Buren in that regard uh, with you a little bit, you know, you wish he was six, one, 
but that maybe doesn't matter as much as in today's game. I, I do know what Oklahoma last week offered the uh, uh, kid that's committed to Florida State uh, quarterback. Luke, uh, so um, that's Luke Croman, Croman Hook. Croman Hook. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely that, you know, I think uh, I will be really interested with Michael Hawkins announcing that on the 31st of January, he's going to make a decision that's, uh, I think we'll know. Right. If he if he chooses Arkansas, that sounds like you're, you know, you try to build in an excuse and say, oh, if Oklahoma loses out on him in 31st that, you know, I'm trying to lay that down now. I, I kind of tend to think that with that offer there, uh, them still pushing for Van Buren, that maybe Oklahoma's seeing the same. Right. Like, hey, we got to be really, really strategic with our 24 offer at quarterback or where we go. And OU's offered a couple of them. Um, it's Michael Van Buren. I just couldn't pull his last name. I, I was afraid to say Michael just because it's Michael Hawkins. And OU's offered a couple of um, his teammates at St. Francis Academy and just also in that whole um, D.C., Maryland area. So OU's going back to that, that territory again, uh, knowing that there's lots of talent there. And, you know, we're we're all – I know we're all annoyed about him leaving, but, you know, Caleb Williams has certainly validated how good quarterbacks from that area can be. And as as far as the rest of the 2024 class goes, um, check out the board. We'll keep talking about that as more news comes out. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of offers in the offseason uh, coming up to some new prospects. Uh, so check out the board. Uh, we'll go over that in the podcast as well. Um, so we're going to circle back to the class we just closed on, the 2023 class. Um, nationally, a fantastic class. Uh, finished a composite fifth overall. Uh, what type of impact does that have on this program, Chris? Well, it was it's a, it's a great class. I mean, it's it's a 247 composite, num- the fifth, fifth recruiting class in the nation. Um, on rivals, it's seventh, which is good because rivals has a bunch of OU players kind of underranked on three, it's sixth, and on ESPN, it's fourth. ESPN has a bunch of OU guys, um, higher rated than some of the other places. So when you wrap all that up, you know, OU's looking at a class that's the fifth or sixth of the nation. And really for coming off a six and six season, that's really incredible. The fact that OU was able to hold their 23 commitments uh, all through this process, um, I, they lost, you know, they lost a couple of recruits. Um, but for the most part, for OU able to hold this class with its balance on defense and its playmakers on offense, it's it's just a blockbuster positive to be heading into this offseason. Um, you know, like some folks, I think, have maybe got a little down on the the signing day, you know, nonsense going on, you know, the signing day madness going on with Bowen and the loss of Akana and then losing DJ Hicks. But just throw all that aside. Oh, you signed Peyton Bowen. He's a five-star. Oh, you has five stars in PJ Adebore and Jackson Arnold. So you've got a five-star elite pass rusher, a five-star elite secondary leader, and we've got what I think is either the number one or number two quarterback in the country uh, in Jackson Arnold. And then you've got, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but you've just got so much depth behind this. It's not some of the Lincoln classes that were coming close to a fifth or 
fifth or sixth rating were just so overloaded with skill position guys. Um, you know, OU was in, in 2019, had a high class, but it was really because of the three-star wide receivers, none of who are going to finish their careers at OU, and none of them were all Big 12. And then you've got Spencer Rattler, who, you know, um, played well, but obviously, again, isn't finishing his career at OU, was never, you know, didn't really reach that 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 level we thought. But the rest of that class is is not really helping OU at all. It's fallen apart doesn't have the real depth um, that I think this class is going to have and to really help OU move forward. I mean, Austin Stogner is probably going to end up as the highest ranked recruit from 2019 to actually end his career at OU um, to just highlight how all over the place some of the, some of the Lincoln classes have gotten. So I think it's a huge win and it's a huge boost for 2024. OU is going to be recruiting heavily for as as Caleb mentioned, more D-line, more impact players. And when you can when you can go into living rooms and say that you've got, you know, the fifth ranked class in the nation, uh, I think it just I think it just helps. It's a huge boost that maybe counteracts some of the negative recruiting of that OU went six and six. And we've talked about Jackson Arnold a little bit. Um I you'd be hard pressed to find any of us at 360 you know, down on him. Um, who else on offense that he'll be playing with do you like, Caleb? That's a loaded question. Uh, you know, I'll probably – so I'll give you three guys, and I don't want to go, like, the you know, the Lincoln route there, right, talking about all skill guys. Uh, but these will be skill guys. Uh, I could easily throw Caden Green in that group. I think Caden Green – uh, we like we were joking in one of our our chats, like give a high end comp. Like I think there's some, you know, Jamal Brown. He's got that type of ability. Uh, could be an, an All American Outland guy. You know, first round NFL draft pick. But to me, you know, uh, so the three I would pick would be would be Dalen Smothers, uh, Jock West Petaway, and, and, and Keon Brown. Uh, you know, and it's the theme probably of Levy's offense, which is be able to score from far. And all three of those guys do that. Uh, Keon Brown's highlight take from his senior year is almost comical because it is just him beating guys for 60-yard touchdowns left and right. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, short, quick slants, you know, uh, or bubbles, that he's then just outrunning angles and outrunning everybody. But, uh, you know, he's rare in his, in his movement, I think. Chris, you gave a comp in some ways, right, to C.D. Lamb, and I completely see like their body, like how they move, just athletically. The, 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 the senior, senior C.D. Lamb, right? The, yeah, the, no, the, absolutely. I think the, C.D. You know, was, the six two, one hundred ninety five, two hundred pound C.D. Lamb. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Because Keon is the size that size right now. Uh, he's you know uh, he's a high cut, uh, one of the you know kind of from a skill perspective, first off the bus types, you know, really good looking athlete, but you know, he athletically moves that same way. Then you watch Jacquez Petaway and it's just in a really good area of high school football, like Houston Metro area against some of the top guys in the country as it relates to just, you know, skill level speed. He's running away from everybody. 
uh, I think both those guys can impact. And then for, for me, what where Smothers is so important is it's not just his, his ability to score, you know, kind of that extra gear, maybe that we always wanted to see Eric Gray kick into, you know, overdrive and, and start to pull, you know, and, and take those 20 yard runs and turn them into 60 yarders. You know, he can do that. But the other area that makes him, I think, unique is his ability to make guys miss in space, uh, you know, get him one on one. He can make folks miss. Uh, and you saw how important that is with the the offensive scheme that Oklahoma runs. You know, you can watch. There's some really good videos of Levy when he's running back coach at Baylor talking about their offensive run game. Uh, and that was one of the tenets of it, right, is we're going to get our running back one-on-one, and it's his job to make that guy miss, break that tackle. And I think that I think that uh, Smothers gives you that. Well, it's, it's hard to complain about this offensive class. Uh, there might have been a few that you could have added to it and been pleased with, uh, but obviously we didn't. Chris, are, are there some that you're a fan of that might have gotten away? Yeah, I think there's three guys mainly that I feel like I kind of wonder why OU wasn't able to just make a bigger move on or maybe able to close the deal with. Uh, the first one is Deuce Robinson, the just playmaking uh, tight end from Arizona. He's 6'7", you know, 6'6", 230. You know, kind of uh, he's, a, you know, reminds you of Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end who's with the Falcons who just had that awesome year. Um, I think... Riley had OU in front and then OU just was never able to reconnect with him. So it's, so they just weren't able to reconnect and that's kind of strange. OU really tried to get Richard young. Uh, He liked OU. He visited, he made unofficial visits and official visits, but I think DeMarco Murray, you know, wisely knew that we were trailing there and made sure to pick up Caleb Hicks and, and Dalen Smothers and not, and not fall behind and on, on a, pursuit of Richard Young that wasn't going to land. But it, at some point, it looked like that maybe OU would, could pull an upset there, but it just never panned out. And then the last guy that never really came together is Samson uh, Lola, the uh, big offensive tackle from Massachusetts. I think OU came so close to getting an official visit with him. And I think if OU could have got him on campus, they could have they could have made a move with him, but they just couldn't couldn't close it out and couldn't get couldn't get an official visit. And shifting to the other side of the ball on defense, uh, we've we've touched on it a little bit, how how deep this class is. Caleb, I'm going to ask you the same loaded question again. Who who are your studs on the other side of the ball? Oh, man. I'll, this one I'll try to do this a little more fair and give you one at each level. Uh, it's probably super obvious uh, on, on who those guys are going to be. Uh, so, so obviously, the defensive line – it's it's PJ uh, Atabore. I we talked about this, you know, earlier. I was you guys informed me it was Bob uh, Stoops that had the famous line of you know there are certain guys that are thirty second guys. We can watch thirty seconds, and you say okay, he's that guy. And uh, I think as I mentioned, you can watch his senior film, and the second play lets you know how special he can be. You know, where he comes off the ball immediately, he converts speed to power on the offensive tackle, big offensive tackle, and just absolutely puts him on roller skates and collapses the pocket. Quarterback tries to escape outside of the pocket. He just naturally bends, explodes out, grabs him, pulls him down. Uh, He's got, uh, 
he's got really, really special ability. And then you look at, you know, I've mentioned this before, right? Like you watch what, the way his brother developed physically during his time at Northwestern, I think was 250 pounds coming out of high school within no time was, you know, an extremely impressive looking 280 pounds. I think that, you know, uh, PJ can be a guy. I think Brent said that their presser was just under 230 right now. Don't be shocked if he's, you know, just under 250. Uh, if he's tuned that 245 range by the time this season starts and, and making an impact. Like he can be a guy that could, uh, you know, multiple sacks and, and, and be a really special edge rusher for OU. At linebacker, and I don't know if he's a linebacker or if he's a cheetah, exactly what he is. But I think everybody that watches film, right, like Lewis Carter, you know, I, I love Sam uh, Omosuigo. Uh, I think he's got, you know, special ability, but I would get to go with Lewis Carter there. Uh, just he is, uh, he's got some beast mode in him in the way that he approaches the game. You see him just uh, when he sees ball, he goes and gets ball on offense. It is full tilt and he just lays weight, you know, and whatever's in his path. He, he just, uh, you know, and something we've talked about, you know, with a lot of these guys, uh, there's a competitiveness, physicality to how, how they're playing. You know, that you can see they they want to win. They know how to win. Uh, and his team is, a you know, a team that plays really good comp. He's the stud of that group. He's the alpha. And he leads them and they follow. So he'd be that guy. And then the last one's pretty, you know, pretty straightforward. Anytime you, you sign a, a five-star safety, uh, it's it's extremely rare. Those guys don't grow on trees. There might be one or two, uh, maybe three any given year. So to go down and beat everybody in the country to land Peyton Bowen and flip him from uh, from Notre Dame. I think we all know if Oklahoma doesn't, if Brent Venables isn't the head coach, they do not get Peyton Bowen. Uh, it just doesn't happen. You know, he 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 committed. He was set to go to to Notre Dame when when Riley was there. So that's uh, those three guys at each level. It's been you know special. They could go out and get impact players at all three levels like that. And you know, same story on defense as offense, and maybe even much more so. Um, you know, it's hard to complain about any of these players in the class. Uh, but again, we're going to do the same drill, Chris. Are there any guys out there that? Oh, you might have had a chance at that you would have liked to see in this class. So I'll give you three names again on defense. And the first name is, and I'm still puzzled about this recruiting, is JVN Tavano, Toviano from the Dallas area. He loved OU last fall. OU appeared to have a big lead. He appeared to be very connected to um, Jay Valai. And then the coaching transition happened, and OU was nowhere. Um, and we know Jay Valai had a great year, um, just a great year recruiting at cornerback and doing a great job for OU. So I, 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 I'm just baffled by how OU was unable to just reconnect with him. The other one that I think OU kind of, if there's a, a player I wish OU seems to have driven with earlier and pushed to, pushed with earlier, it's defensive uh, and uh, now at a from uh, Colleyville, the Michigan commit that OU tried to get on campus for an official visit. I, I think OU missed, missed a chance making him a, more of a focus earlier in recruiting and pushing for him much earlier. Uh, based upon his senior year film, I, I would consider that sort of a, a one of the few eval misses out there for the Sooners. And then Reuben Bain was a strange one. 
uh, the defensive end out of Miami who uh, chose the Hurricanes. His brother is on the Miami staff, so I I think we all wondered why he just wasn't verbal to Miami right off the bat. But he took four visits to OU uh, on his own dime, and he officially visited OU as well. And he's on his film. I love his film. He's kind of gone up and down in the recruiting rankings, but he's like 6'2", 6'3", 250. And to me, he seems like a 6'3", 250 version of Eric Stryker. He's just constantly speed off the edge, unable for the tackle, unable to handle him, and he's just hitting quarterbacks. But OU couldn't couldn't quite get any momentum there, and I think they kind of backed off after they got Colton Vasek a little bit because they had Vasek and Adeware, and I think they felt like, well, we've got our ends. We're good. I kind of think they fell behind on Bain, and then when they lost Vasek, they'd lost the momentum to kind of go back into, and I think to go back with Bain, and I think in OU's minds, they were a little bit like, why aren't you verbal to Miami? Your brother's there. So those would be the three names I'd really sort of focus on on defense. Um, and, and the Toviano one, I still probably you ask me five years from now, I'm going to be like, yeah, I, I don't know why JV and Toviano is not a sooner. I'm, I'm, I'm failing to understand what happened there. Well, I'll throw one more bonus name out there that I know will drive Caleb nuts. Uh, defensive tackle Edric Hill from North Kansas City. Yeah, we disagree on this. I don't think that's a. I don't <laughs> think that's a big. I don't think that's a big loss. I really don't. Yeah, no, it's funny. I uh, we had the show notes. He shot out, and I went ahead and built out a list. That was the first guy I wrote down as a miss. And you know, my my thought there, Chris, is it just kind of goes back to again where I push back on anybody that says anything negative about Bates. It's not. It's not an issue with. Well, why aren't the coaches getting these guys? You know, uh, it's like the famous Mike Leach, right? That was the late Mike Leach that talked, right? He said, you know, go to the mall and walk around and see how many six foot four, you know, 280 pound lean athletic guys who can walk and chew bubble gums. Tell me how many of those guys you see. He's like, you can throw it, you know, you can throw a ball and you hit 10 guys that are five foot 11, five foot 10, 175, 180 pounds and can run. Like those grow on trees. The big kids don't. So to have a, Six three, you know, two hundred ninety, three hundred pound uh, nose guard, you know, effectively in region that you might have been able to get. I think there maybe was just similar to how things played out with Etta. Uh, you know, they maybe felt good about uh, Hicks, uh, maybe felt good about McDonald out of the Atlanta area, and, and focused there and, and didn't give it to Hill. I think Hill is a guy that uh, you know maybe not going to be an All-American, but could be a guy that comes in and could have could have contributed during his time in Orleans. At, at I'm, I'm going to need to see like a measurement of him that he's actually 6'3". He, lo- he does not. I saw a photo of him next to P.J. Adebore at an OU camp, and I swear P.J. looked like he was like seven inches taller than him. So I my issue on Hill is I, I think he's like six foot. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree. I think he's probably in that six-one range. And my thought there is this: I suppose is. Uh, but oh, you, you took know. Ashton Sanders, who's 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 at the similar height. So maybe my yeah. argument doesn't have any weight to it. So well, that's what I was going to say. Is it's kind of a you know where do you you know which one do you prefer? You prefer Hill or Sanders? And I don't know. Some people would go one over the other. Uh, I think all things considered, I would take Hill. You know, and part of that is honestly is going to go back to you know the 24 and 25 class when you've got Nornary and you've got Mosey and some other Kansas City area kids. And uh, and I, you know, you bet your bottom dollar 
with uh, Rule at Nebraska, he will make Kansas City a huge focus. So, uh, you know, there's guys you can get to kind of get a better pipeline there. No, Brent will do a really good job. He knows that area well, but uh, just important in my mind. Well, this early signing period is finishing up today, kind of as we speak. Um, there's a class now of 25. Uh, this year, there's no cap uh, of 25. So, oh, you could theoretically add a couple people. Um, so there's some unsigned prospects out there. Obviously, the staff is probably aware of a lot of these guys. Um, not a lot of them have OU offers, but that doesn't mean OU couldn't circle back. Um, I know we, we see OU kind of hitting the trail as a new recent follow has popped up from uh, defensive end coach Miguel Chavis. It's a JUCO defensive end, Jefferson Adam, uh, originally from Nigeria. Uh, Chris, I know we, we kind of just saw this right as we were getting prepped for the show, uh, but what do you think about Adam? Well, I think actually it's a good philosophical question. Should OU just stand pat at 25 and focus the rest of their, um, they've just recently got more visits. I think one of the reasons why folks are maybe frustrated with OU's portal recruiting is that OU is out of official visits. Once they, Trey Harris, I think got the last official visit OU had. So OU did, I think OU only had four official visits for the last two weekends of recruiting left. Uh, we're, I'm pretty sure about that. We got a source that confirmed that for us. So OU's now got 14 official visits to use in January for portal guys or high school guys. So I, I think a JUCO guy makes a lot of sense, but I'm, I'm not sure that OU should take any more high school players. I think the high school class is really good. It's, They've hit all their marks. I think if you could, if you could find another elite, somebody at defensive end who you thought was 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 as good as Taylor Wine, that would be fine. Um, I'm not sure you you could add another linebacker, maybe, maybe a tight end if you find somebody who's just sort of slipped through the cracks. I mean, there are there are players out there. There's Cameron Brand out of California, committed to Stanford. He didn't sign. There's wide receiver Omarion Miller um, out of Louisiana. He's a big, good wide receiver. He was uh, probably going to heading to Nebraska. So you could you could find a third wide receiver out there. I think that's possible. Um, but I'm I'm not sure. You know, you could and the fifth high school offensive lineman also probably makes some sense um, in terms of the gaps that I see in the class. Um, there's there's some players out there, Chimidio. Ono from Maryland, uh, he's getting a lot of Power Five offers. He just opened up his recruiting. OU's probably aware of him due to their their connections in the Maryland area. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a defensive lineman out of Texas, Ashton Porter, who's interesting. He was leading to Oregon. He didn't sign anywhere yet so far. Um, I'll have to double check. It's not on this list, and I forgot to mention it to you guys that um, Michael Pilot Harrison. I don't think is signed. Yeah, I, I don't think he's signed either, and it he's a guy that a lot of programs kind of backed off of, which is interesting. He's he's kind of stayed in that top 150 rankings-wise throughout his senior year. I haven't watched his senior tape, but um, Caleb, have, have you seen anything out of him? 
No, I got kind of pulled away from a senior tape and didn't watch uh, anything that came out when yeah, prior to the season. It, he and Oklahoma effectively parted ways, but that is an interesting one. He was trending towards uh, TCU, I think most people thought, or Texas. And uh, yeah, but no one's, he has not signed with anyone, which is surprising. Here's I think a, he's, he's got some crystal balls, I think, to Houston. Um, yeah, but that's that's old activity because he was down to three schools and he has some connections with the Houston program. So I don't know if everybody I'm just, I'm purely speculating on this. I'm not I don't want to mean to throw the kid on the bus or anything. I just wonder if maybe everyone's waiting for his his final tran his his next semester transcript, maybe. Um when you when you see kids not sign in December, sometimes you wonder if it's you know, it's and it could not be academic problem. They just need to see the transcript, right? Like this previous transcript, transcript just had some gaps in it. He just needs to finish some classes for for teams to feel comfortable enough that he's going to pass the clearinghouse. So I don't know if that's the case, but he's an interesting name out there. It's just if I was if I was OU high school wise, I would probably only take an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. I think everything else I would, the portal has lots of wide receivers. Yeah, so I, I do agree. I if think you that's wanna... where I would go. And, and just getting our high, getting our offensive line program back to where we are not constantly looking for two guys from the portal. We need to start developing yeah. our classes and stacking players. Yeah, no, I agree. I, uh, again, you know, mentioned this, I think in one of the Twitter spaces we did, you can, a lot of the guys that develop into top end, uh, college and NFL offensive linemen are, are guys that were a little bit under the radar because of they they're not 300 pounds, you know, in in high school and maybe a little bit undersized, but they're those guys that are naturally big. And in the next two years, they're going to be 290, 300, 310 pounds if you put them in the right program. So you could probably, I think you can find some of those guys. I think it's an interesting conversation because and you mentioned this, right, Chris, like you look at a guy like Marcus Strong and the reason a guy who's that size with his ability was available is because he was injured at his junior. And most schools are making all their offers and they've got their boards put together, you know, before the senior year even rolls around. So they moved on. So you'd think there'd missed, be some guys. And he missed all the spring summer camps because he was rehabbing. Yeah, absolutely. So you'd think there would be some guys out there that maybe fit that. Uh, one random name. I don't know if Oklahoma follows him on social media. I don't, I don't have a clue, uh, but uh, Jamel Howard, he's a 6'2", 310, 320-pound nose guard, defensive tackle out of the Chicago area. He was committed to Wisconsin when the coaching change happened. He backed off that. I know he officially visited Michigan. A lot of people thought that's where he would end up. He did not sign. Uh, you know, I think if it didn't, Defensive line is another area where there's been an exodus. Oklahoma has numbers effectively, but they what they really are lacking are young defensive tackles. You know, if you don't, to your point, right, Chris, if you don't fix that issue, you're left kind of continually chasing your tail, trying to every year fill in, you know, go get two portal guys, two portal guys. So I think it might be interesting because you're looking at offensive line, young guy, maybe a guy like Howard as a young defensive tackle would be a, can be a good fit as well. Big physical kid. And if if we stand pat at 25, uh, OU's also using another route to kind of get some guys on campus, uh, really hitting the preferred walk-ons pretty hard this year, um, including a guy from Oklahoma, 
uh, a record-breaking wide receiver, Brandon Harper. Uh, Chris, what what do you know about Brandon Harper? Well, Brandon is um, he's he's from Noble. Um, he had seventeen hundred receptions, seventeen hundred yards. He's a he's he's like your perfect slot wide receiver, you know, prototype. Um, I'm confused as to why he doesn't have more offers. Hopefully, oh, you can get him on campus as a preferred walk on. It, it wouldn't shock me if I'd, I'd love to hear he's enrolling early too. Like you know, he wants to start his, you know, academically he wants to start his college career early because I'm I'm afraid he'll get a bunch of offers in January from schools that you know just look at him places like Ohio, um, you know, somewhere like Kent State, um, you know, schools that have had good you know 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 that Oklahoma has good talent and has and has good there's good there's good wide receiving talent in Oklahoma right. So, but he's he's more of a slot, and if oh you can get him on campus as a preferred walk on, I think just like uh, Gavin Freeman, there's a real path to him getting a scholarship and being a very productive receiver for OU and kind of that kind of that third fourth wide receiver um, slot guy that you know that you know rest in peace to the pirate that Mike Leach just always had that annoying guy Texas Tech always had that. You're looking at him and trying to figure out why he has 100 receptions and 1,200, 1,300 yards. Well, that would be a nice bonus to have. And as a, a bonus to end this podcast episode, uh, the three of us are going to do a pretty quick just uh, draft of sorts. Uh, each one of us will kind of go in order, uh, draft uh, one of the signees to our quote-unquote team. Um just a little fun exercise to kind of go over everybody real quick. Um, I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, I drew number one. I'm going to go ahead and take Jackson Arnold, um, you know, to lead your squad. You got to have an elite quarterback to win these days. Um, kind of that old model of Alabama kind of when they first started their little run um, wouldn't really work anymore. Uh, Kyle on the board will have, uh, some more data to back that up. Uh, but I'm going Jackson Arnold first overall. Caleb, you're next. Yeah, so simple, right? Uh, we probably, if you're going to take the quarterback, I'll take the guy that can most impact him negatively. Uh, so PJ uh, Adebore, I think, uh, is, again, you've got a guy there that's got the potential to be, a, you know, if you put it all together, his, his brother's likely to be a first or a second round draft pick. I think he's got the ability to be a first rounder. And uh, yeah, get someone that can impact the quarterback every snap. And uh, I'm 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 very thankful for Peyton Bowen flipping to OU because now I also get a five star player. I'm taking Peyton Bowen as the captain and leader of my new shutdown secondary. All right. Well, the five stars are off the board. Uh, I'm going to go with another impact position. Um, I know that this class is deep defensively, so I'm going to go ahead and swing for Caden Green to protect my first overall pick. Good pick. Good pick. Nice combo. Oh, okay. If you're taking it to Caden Green, I'm going to go Jacquez Petway. I think uh, just, you know, the ability to levy, right, score from far. Uh, he, I think he's got that in spades. So uh, I, I'll take Petaway. Well, since I'm matching up with you guys and you've got Jackson Arnold and uh, Caleb's got Jaquez Petaway, I'm going to go Makari Vickers 
to just stack my secondary to just shut down you guys throwing the football. That's not a bad pick. Uh, I think I might stay in the back defensive backfield as well and go with a homegrown Jacoby Johnson. Oh, impressive. Okay. <laughs> Let's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's an interesting take. All right. It's a, so, it's a throwing league, right? It's a throwing league. So if we're going to be throwing the ball in that, I mean, uh, we're going to focus it. Sauce uh, Gardner and, um, and Stingley went like three, four in the draft, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So here's one. I, I think I mentioned this probably just in our, like in a, a little side chat, right? If I was to try to give you like a high end comp, at least physically, when I looked at, like, when you look at, uh, uh, God, Leonard Williams, when he was coming out of Florida, when he went to USC, just what he looked like physically, how he moved, I was reminded, uh, Derek LeBlanc reminds me of that. And they're roughly, I think LeBlanc's actually 10, 15 pounds bigger at the same point. So I will take Derek LeBlanc and cross my fingers that Schmitty and the nutrition staff have him, you know, somewhere in that same realm of the lean 300-pound athletic interior defensive lineman. Okay, I'm going to go. I got to go. Got to get some offense going, and I'm going to tote the rock with Dalen Smothers. I think he's chronically underrated. I think if he'd had his, if he'd had his senior year, I think he would be a top 100 player. And really, just we'd we'd realize how big a steal that is. I think Smothers enrolling early, if he can shake off the rust of losing his senior year, going through spring, I I think he's a name where we're going to be like he's going to blow up like Demarco Murray did his uh his red shirt freshman year in that spring game well to to stop him in that kind of uh space game i'm gonna go with lewis carter uh caleb you touched on him earlier he's kind of a little bit of a swiss army knife um he's not the biggest guy out there but he's very physical can maybe play that cheetah position uh so give me lewis carter that's a good one i would be a captain of your uh your defense all right, so figuring Lewis Carter, let me think where I want to go. Uh, <laughs> I could just take Keon Brown and require that you guys have nobody to throw the ball to, uh, <laughs> at least in this draft. Uh, Brandon Harper's probably, there later, right? Yeah, that's actually what I'll do. I'll take, I think, Keon Brown, just like you think, you know, and I think you're right, Chris. I think Smothers massively underrated. Uh, I just probably the nature of the beast, uh, you know, forgotten because he's unseen i think keon brown i have no clue how he's rated where he is when you look at how he runs and then just the physical makeup of the guy so give me keon brown well i'm going to go with building my team i'm going to go with sam omisigo because i think that's a that's a it's a no-brainer pick he is either going to turn into my hard-hitting dominating linebacker or he's going to turn into just a uh a dominant wide receiver. So I think it's a no risk move there. All right. Well, we're getting kind of to the point where we're at round five. We're projecting a little bit. And I think uh, a guy like Logan Howland is someone that might not be ready right Damn away. You. But <laughs> uh, if, if we're projecting a guy to, to block my quarterback's blind side, I'm going to take Logan Howland. Uh, I just want to throw in the towel. 
I thought for sure. I was like, I thought I was <laughs> had you guys tricked. I was like, that would have been my second pick probably. I thought nobody's going to take him. I'll sit on him <laughs> till five. And I look like, uh, I don't know, the Vikings or whoever it was years ago that didn't get their pick in. Uh, <laughs> good Lord. <sighs> Let me think. Okay. And then I, I've probably got to take uh, Bates. You know, give me a, give me a center. Give me a captain for my, you know, offensive line. Uh, and I'll, I'll take Bates. And I'm going to end. I'm going to go after hearing if you guys – uh, have not if our listeners haven't gone to the chosen website off the OU off uh, Sooner Sports and go to Chosen. If you scroll down, you'll see player um, interviews and you'll see also the coaches talking about players. I'm going to go Marcus Strong because hearing Todd Bates talk about Marcus Strong, realizing that I when we watched his film, we were like, why hasn't anybody offered this guy? How has this guy slipped through the cracks? And you see Marcus next to his brother in a, in a photo, his brother's six, one, three, 10. We've talked about it before. And he's like towering over him. He's got a huge frame. You could tell Todd Bates was super excited for this guy. He's six, four, right now. He's going to be 300 pounds before by just blinking and hitting the OU training table with Schmitty. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a little veer, a little bit off the, off the lower rank guy. But, you know, I need a defensive tackle. I need someone. I think I think we're going to be looking at Mark. I, he's my projected guy for how, how did we get this guy? Where did he come from? And how is he this good? Well, Caleb, this must be uh, how you felt because that's who I was going to go with next. Uh, I agree with doesn't it? Yeah, I, I agree with everything Chris just said about, you know, the, the upside and, you know, Building from within on the defensive line is never a bad idea. So I'm just going to go with my one B option there and well, take yeah, Ashton is, Sanders. That was the fifth round, though. Uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. pick, we will go five players. So, yeah, yeah. so but Chris, I, I want to touch on like you talk about strong there. I, you know what? To me, he is. Everything Brent Venables talks about, what he wants his program to be about, like, you know, just the development of players, like Marcus Strong, it's like insert, you know, uh, square into, you know, you know, round uh, peg into, you know, round hole here. Like it's, he's perfect Uh, because to your point, his senior film is really good. And then when you realize that's a kid that just got through rehabbing a knee. You know, and maybe I say just got through, maybe it was six months ago that he finished, um, whatever that might be. Oftentimes, you know, you're just not especially sure of it. And a high school guy, right? Because you never know yeah. what kind of treatment and rehab he's able. It's it's obviously not the same as you tear a knee at you're at OU, right? And you've got yeah. the OU medical team behind you. You know, you're in high school. And even if you, you know, and you, you just don't know what level of, you know, care and rehab he was able to be provided. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody has, it doesn't, you know, if you have a standard HMO plan, I mean, are you really getting kind of the, you're not getting the same rehab as you would if you were at, at OU already. No. Yeah. It's probably right. You're getting the, the, the whatever the, you know, handful of visits to a physical therapist are, and then they give you the paper and do these weekly. Uh, and I'm sure he did. 
because he looks yeah. great physically. And that's what blew me away, right? Is you're watching a guy and you're thinking, man, this guy, he checked all the boxes physically. He looks like, I think I mentioned this previously. It's like, he just looks like those guys for years that like Florida and Auburn would trot out. You know, when you're watching a, a game on a Saturday, you're like, man, all these guys just look great. And they're really big and strong. And where and good. where and do they come from? And where are they coming Oklahoma, from? Why doesn't Oklahoma have four of them in state? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you nailed that, right? Why is a... Why is like the low three-star kid in Oklahoma? Doesn't he look like that? Uh, you know, and but when you find out, oh wait, this kid is a kid that's just getting back from tearing his knee up, and he's probably feeling his way through a little bit. You're like, oh wow, okay, like this is uh, what he could be. Let's say he redshirts. You know what he might look like and what he might be in in like 2024. It, it'll be really really fun to watch. All right. Well, we're getting to the end here of this podcast. Chris, I believe you had some holiday shout outs for some listeners. Well, well, first off, um, I just want to thank everyone who's been subscribing and listening to our podcast. We started the week of Bedlam and now we're ending the year and we've had a, just a great, great run of shows and getting great feedback from everyone. So I just want to you know, shout out to all of our all of our listeners and everyone subscribing on the various platforms that's made the show kind of a, a quick early success for us. And then I got a couple of quick holiday shout outs to uh, some friends of mine. Uh, have a happy holiday, Sooner Al. And, uh, and my friend from Pennsylvania, George, also have a have a great holiday. All right. And you, you just mentioned it there. Uh, everybody can hit that subscribe button. We're available on all platforms, including Apple, Spotify and Stitcher. Uh, we'll continue to put out a weekly podcast throughout the offseason. Uh, there's going to be a lot of 2024 news. There's going to be a lot of portal news over the coming months. Um, we might take a break here and there, but we're going to you know, tr- do our best to come with content every week. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe to th- Sooners360.com um, as we transition our focus to the class of 2024. Uh, we'll have a lot of updates on the site itself in the coming months, uh, and we're working on a lot of things to carry you through the offseason. Um, So we'll see you on the board and I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas and a great new year.